When we think about community as a Facebook group, we really limit how we interact with and serve our people. But when we look at them as a group of people and we say, okay, how do we serve this group of people? And we can use any medium or any channel we want. We can use a Facebook group. We can use Zoom. We can use handwritten notes in the middle. We can use in-person events. Then you start to really see the vision for connection. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Before we jump into the podcast, this episode is sponsored by my brand new $7 offer. It's a comprehensive list of digital marketing tools. Why? So you can look smart, so you can offer the best marketing services, so you can come to the table knowing what the latest and greatest tools are, and you can run your business efficiently. It's going to make you smart, it's going to make you feel confident, and it's all in one place and you can reference it anytime. We have the tools divided by my recommended tech stack for virtual assistants. We have business tools, AI tools, marketing tools, email, websites, SEO, social media, audio and video, and graphic design. If you've ever looked at how someone else is doing it and wondered how they did it, I have that tool. I have that tool. I've been collecting them for years. They're all in one spot. Go grab it now in the show notes. Back to the podcast. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. We are in the middle of a content marketing series on the podcast. I love series when we can bring these themes together and help you as a freelance marketer or marketing assistant, marketing specialist, if you're in some kind of marketing digital service role with your clients, get better. And it's so freaking meta because you apply it to yourself. Everything you learn in marketing, you need to be doing for your own business to some degree, right? We don't have to be, you know, showing up on Instagram every day and like pointing and dancing, but you get me. It gives you a leg up. You know what you should be doing, what you can be doing. You get your choice of tactics, right? It's kind of what led me to this business for myself. I've been behind the scenes for 13 years now, freelancing, using my PR and marketing and journalism background. And I've just loved helping clients. But at some point, I had so many clients knocking on my door, so many business owners I had to turn down that I felt so bad for because they were desperate to find somebody who had my unique skill set. Hence, I called myself a unicorn. Then I started training an agency. I started training my friends to work with me. Then I started training people to go work for themselves because an agency was really hard when you're a military spouse managing a household, a husband gone, four kids. So the agency thing was very short-lived and that was okay with me. So I'm like, you know what? If I can give people clients, like push them on their way, like winning. And so I started this podcast to help A lot of overeducated, underemployed military spouses like myself who have degrees have a hard time finding work that's meaningful and challenging and actually pays well. And stay-at-home moms who are in the same boat, ready to get back to work after a baby break or maybe ready to get back to work like part-time during school hours. We also have professional women who are in a nine-to-five who want to take their skill set and start working for themselves. Maybe you always dreamed of being a business owner. Maybe you just want to add consulting skills like I did at the beginning. I started writing press releases for clients and making a little side business. The beautiful thing about this work is you can do it at your own pace and you can scale it up, scale it down. Marketing lends itself to a little bit more freedom when it comes to flexibility, when it comes to creative freedom, right? So this series is to just help you get better, help you get better. Because if you're not learning, it's really hard to stay competitive, right? Your clients expect you to show up at these meetings, have ideas, find ways to help them get better with their marketing, have more successful launches, make money, grow their audience, grow their email list, and all of that. Today's guest actually knows one of my former clients really well. I was so flattered to have Shanna Lynn here today. She's worked with some really big names. Let me tell you her bio. After a successful marketing career in a traditional corporate space, Shanna shifted her focus toward entrepreneurship. She's also OG, started back in 2012. She is the CEO of Community Cultivated, and she advises top-tier subscription businesses on implementing 
innovative community-driven strategies to boost retention rates. Those are smart words for helping businesses create and cultivate communities. Community is so important. If you look at any social media manager coach online right now, they're talking about community and how you do that. It's not just a Facebook group. It's so much more than that. It's creating a army of dedicated, loving your business. And followers isn't even the right word. Followers isn't the right word. I'm struggling here. People who fly the same flag as you and are dedicated to the same mission and values and are just dedicated. This community is what makes or breaks you in the online space. I can't stress this enough. It is never a one-man band. That's why we have an army of marketing assistants helping business owners and clients, but it's also that community online that lifts and supports you and cheers you on and shares your offers and just continues the social proof that we need, right? This is why I came up with a name for my community. This is why we are the unicorns. A herd of unicorns is called a blessing. Is that not amazing? And that blessing, that network, that that community that's supporting you through your journey is what's going to make the difference. I mean, we've all heard how you're the sum of the five people you hang out with, right? We all like take on and parrot and mimic the friends we had in high school, right? Like choosing and creating and nurturing this community to be one that supports your clients and your customers is so important. Okay, so I I know Shanna here is going to spell it out. She has four community strategies that are just going to give you so much clarity in the post you're making, the group rules, the guidelines, like what you're really creating in this online space. It's not just a massive following of like random dudes over in another country who are liking your posts. Like we want the right people. We want the right people surrounded by us. She outlines beliefs, behaviors, boundaries, all this like comes into play, right? We don't want just anybody, right? I wrote that email about a client's reel that went viral. It was like all the wrong people, all the wrong reasons. It was just not good. Ick, ew, gross, not what we want. So Shanna's going to spell it out for you today. Uh, a little bit more about her. Also a mom of four, which I love. She lives in Nashville. And when she's not working, she indulges in avocado, game nights, roller skating, and lakeside getaways. She's the cutest little family. And I love when she shares it over on Instagram. So make sure you go connect with her over on Instagram at Shanna Speaks. She also has a podcast called Community Creators Podcast. She's going to have a freebie with you here today. And I just have to humble brag for Shanna. She has trained the communities of top online marketing coaches and course creators, Sue McLaren, Amy Porterfield, like she is your girl. If you're looking to become this next level, eight-figure business owners, community manager, her training is the way to go. And she needs people to refer. So take her course. If you're going to take her course, sign up with my affiliate link, please. It's in the show notes below. And let her guide you on this journey. If you have a knack for connecting people, for caring, if you're Enneagram 2, if you're a people-focused person on the disc personality, this could be a really good role for you. It takes a lot of emotional intelligence. Not everybody can do it. And it can also be very lucrative. So I want to point you in this direction if this is something you want to do. Beyond the tactics, she really gets into the community building. So let's jump into the interview with Ashana Lynn. Hey, Shanna, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here talking a little bit about community management, connection ideas, and the content that we create that cultivates a community. And will you tell everyone a little bit about you, where you live, what your family looks like? Yeah, of course. I'm so glad to be here. So grateful. I know we've been trying to like coordinate this for a while, so it's good to to finally have it happening. I live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm married to an amazing, amazing man who is a stay-at-home dad and homeschool dad, and he is an absolute rock star. We have three little kids at home. So we have a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And then we also have a 23-year-old that is older, has her own four-month-old. So we are now officially grandparents as well. It's insane. So we're just like trying to adjust to this life where, where we still have our littles and then we have our oldest who's like wanting to drop the grandbaby off for babysitting. And we're like, we're not those grandparents. I mean, maybe for a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's super fun. 
So tell us, what is your business and, and how did you get started? Because my community loves the freelancer origin stories. I love to hear about women pivoting and putting themselves in the online space. And you have such a cool background and I'd love to hear it. Yeah, thank you. So I help online business owners, people with courses, memberships, group coaching programs. I help them increase their retention and the success of their members by creating more thriving communities. So specifically those community focused strategies that help increase retention. And this has been my world for a while. So I actually went to college for nursing, switched to marketing and had to do a senior thesis. And I am so thankful for the mentor that I had in college who pointed me to social media marketing way, way back in the day. And so I first spoke on creating online communities and using that in the marketing space back in 2008 when I was still in college. So I ended up going into the corporate world and doing that, working with an academic medical center to make them really the first academic medical center on social media with the first social media policy and was speaking and traveling and doing all of that around that uh, realm in the academic medical center space. And then I ended up starting consulting when I was working with them. And it was just a few years in, so 2012, when I officially left to start my own consulting business. So I've been in this space for a decade. And it's really fascinating because I was helping traditional corporate brands take what they were doing in traditional marketing and move that online to create more of an online community around their brand. And then I got swooped up by Stu McLaren, who, you know, is the membership expert. And I was in his world. I had a, a second business that was a health and wellness business. And I wanted to start a membership around that. And he wow. reached out to me and said, would you be our director of community. We want somebody who understands community and marketing to build us out a community team and help us reimagine our experience for our programs. And so I worked with him for three years doing that and then serving all of his members who are membership site owners themselves. And then my favorite thing I did was teach in-person workshops. So I trained like Amy Porterfield's team, Jasmine Starr's team, Jeff Walker in person pre-COVID and then of course, COVID shut the world down and I pivoted online. And so I started my own online training course for community and I primarily do one-on-one -on -one consulting for membership site owners now. Oh my gosh, I didn't know all of that background about you starting in nursing, which is fascinating. Yeah, I, I went to nursing because I wanted a stable career and I thought if I got a business degree, I would be working at the Gap. Like that is what I knew about a business degree. Like you move into retail and I wanted financial stability. And I thought, well, if I'm a nurse, I will always have a job. And I still remember standing in the mailroom and getting the acceptance letter to nursing school and tearing it up and calling my mother and just terrified of what she was going to say. Cause I said, mom, I'm, I'm, I got accepted to nursing school. She's crying. She's so excited. And I said, I'm not going, I'm going to switch to business. My mom is so supportive. So she was like, okay, honey, whatever makes you happy. She's like saying the right things. <laughs> I know you could feel it in her that she was not happy about that. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I thought I would switch my major a zillion times because everyone warned me I would and I didn't. It just it stayed journalism. Yeah. And I still laugh about that. I was a hundred percent expecting to switch it, which is why I did not go to Mizzou for journalism, which was stupid. Like I should have done it. Like I just assume, like, oh, I'll switch it. I'll around. change out of this. Yeah. So tell me, I'm really curious. I think a lot of people listening can relate. You're doing the work, you're in a nine to five, and then you started consulting. How did that even happen? How did you start offering that service outside of your nine to five? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm big on community anyways. So I had a lot of friends in the Nashville area. And because I was talking online about what I was doing in my corporate world, because I was still traveling and speaking and we were doing a lot of innovative things, national ad campaigns around online and interactive marketing. So people knew what I did. And I just started getting people reaching out to me saying, Hey, I have a friend who has this like blog or I have this friend who's starting. Can you help her with her social media? And at first I would just say, sure, I'll hop on the phone with them. Like I'll answer some questions for them or I'll get together for coffee. But eventually I had somebody reach out and she's like, I'm really looking for somebody to manage my social media strategy. She had a successful couponing blog, right? Back in the day, the couponing blogs were the big thing. <laughs> so she's like, I really want somebody to help us do more 
email marketing and social media marketing and just really build in that area. And so I reached out to my chief marketing officer that I worked very closely with and asked her if she would be okay if I started doing some consulting on the side to support our family's income. And she was so supportive. I'm so grateful because I know not every mm-hmm. everybody is in that position where they have an employer that is supportive of that. And she was. And so I started doing that. I'm not going to tell you what I charge an hour now, but my first... Oh. <laughs> My first job was $15 an hour. And I look back at that and I just thought like, this is it. I'm making 15 bucks an hour as this consultant. This is never going to replace my income. But like, wow, amazing. Somebody's paying me to help them with something. It's so funny. Like looking back on that, it was that one, that one step. And what happened is I just had more and more people start coming to me for that. And I quickly realized I wasn't going to be able to replace my income. And it was never really a goal of mine. Actually, I wanted to be a corporate executive. I wanted like I was not going to get married. I was never going to have kids. I was going to be a C-suite executive. That was not what God had in store for me by any means. I woke up one day and I was like, how am I going to live this life and have a family? And Mm -hmm. I still remember when I felt peace about leaving my job. My husband was a teacher. I was very financially conservative and afraid. My mom had filed bankruptcy when I was in high school. So I just had this fear. When I felt that peace about walking away from a very, very cushy job at a young age, a fantastic salary, amazing benefits, and I wasn't even near replacing that income. I was like, okay, this is not from me. Like This is clearly God saying, this is your path. I turned in my resignation. My last day of work was leap day. I still remember that. I came home that day. I was so afraid. And I had an email in my inbox from somebody who said, hey, I was Google searching online. I'm a Vanderbilt grad. And I saw that you work at Vanderbilt and you've done this work for them. We're starting a business about social media safety for kids. Like, Would you work with us? And that was the day I turned in my resignation. And I just knew like, God's got me. We're going to be fine. And it just took off from there. Like I partnered with two agencies in town. I ghosted as their interactive marketing director. And so I really didn't even have to go find clients. They would have clients come to them for work and they would bring me to the table as like the social media interactive online ads expert. And as long as we got the deal, I had a contract with them to fulfill on that. And so it was a really, really, really great gig for a long time. My gosh, that makes me so happy and talk about just manifesting your future there. And I'm not even willing for like that to happen all in the same day. Yes. Like God was showing you the way forward and you are going to be safe. And it was so beautiful. Yeah. And just when I talk to people who are interested in getting into the freelance world, I always tell them like, first off, if your goal is to replace your income before you leave, you're probably never going to do that because it takes risk. And if you wait on that, then you don't learn from the experience. And I think there's so much value in the risk because risk is motivating, right? Having that bit of risk, knowing that I'm not going to be safe when I walk away from this job is the very thing that will motivate you to do the extra work required and to do the scary and the hard things to reach out to people to get the job that nobody else will do if they're sitting in a cushy, comfortable situation. So doing it as a side gig is one thing, learning, getting experience, getting that under your belt, learning the craft, getting stories that you can tell about people that you've been able to help. I think that's really important. But if you do want it to be your full-time thing, you do have to come to that fork in the road where you say, I'm ready to take the risk and go all in. And once you do, like that's You know this, but once you do, once you go all in, that's where the magic happens. That's when you get better at your craft and your business starts to multiply because it has your full attention. Oh my gosh. I can relate with my own story, just straddling this world of like building a course, building a membership, having the retainer work that pays the bills. And I went all in August of last year. And then that's when I had my six figure launch. And I mean, I was straddling both worlds for a while, like getting it going, growing my audience. Like I was a nobody when I first started in 2019. So I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. So tell everyone who's listening who might be a little bit new to this, what really is a community? What do you mean when you say that? Yeah, that's a great question. Most people think of community as a Facebook group and I'm pretty vocal about the fact that that is not a community. The community 
It's the people that you interact with. It's the people that you're bringing together to accomplish a common cause. And so when we think about community as a Facebook group, we really limit how we interact with and serve our people. But when we look at them as a group of people and we say, okay, how do we serve this group of people? And we can use any medium or any channel we want. We can use a Facebook group. We can use Zoom. We can use handwritten notes in the mail. We can use in-person events. Then you start to really see the vision for connection. And what I want people to realize is that a community has such a broad definition. And most people say it's just like a group of people with a common interest. But what I really teach and inside of my framework, that first pillar is cause. A common cause is going to trump a common interest every time. So when we get really clear on the mission of our community and what we as individuals and as a group are trying to create and accomplish together, that is what motivates us. That's what's going to help bring us together and create that sense of joint accomplishment and belonging that we all really want. I'm glad you explained it that way because I'll see some of the Instagram teachers, you know, talking about that, building your community and it's on Instagram. Yeah. And it, it can be kind of confusing because a lot of the clients that come our way are course creators, you know, digital product creators and membership site owners, and they have their free group and they have their paid group. And then they have their like offsite Facebook group. And I think it's so important to think about that. Like even TikTok has its own community and they're different. They're different over there. Yeah, exactly. And one of the ways that I explain it to people that I think they can understand is like Swifties, Taylor Swift fans. Yes. They are a raving fan community, right? They will buy everything that she sells, show up for everything that she does, and yet they're not in a Facebook group like hanging out together. I mean, sure, there's sub-communities within that that probably are, but you can find that community at her concerts. You can find that community on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook. Wherever you look, you're going to be able to find this Swifty community, and you want to think about your community In the same way, my community is that group of people and it doesn't matter the platform in which we're interacting. That's just a small piece of the puzzle. In fact, in my framework, it's like a sub sub pillar of a pillar. It's like a really small piece, the actual space that we're doing this in. But it's all those other elements of the specific purpose of the culture that we're creating. Like, what are the beliefs, the behaviors, and the boundaries that we want to create for this community? How are we connecting and creating safety and engagement? Those are all of the things that we look for when we talk about community. Okay, I love that. What comes to mind for me, whether you're a fan or not, is the funnel hackers. Yes. They wave their little freak flag. You know who's like a fan, who's all about, you know, their teacher over there and their platform. Do you have any other examples in the online space? Yeah, so Stu McLaren, he did a very good job of this even before I was with him. So his company is no longer called Tribe, but it used to be called Tribe. And they were all tribers. And Stu is a very quirky character. And he had a mascot even at his events. There was language that people would share. But one of the things, here's an example of this. So when we talk about culture, There are seeds of culture that are in your community that you just simply need to nurture. They're already there, right? They're already established. And then there are seeds of culture that you want to intentionally plant because you know you're trying to create a certain culture. You need to be intentional about planting those seeds. A great example of this is we created hashtag better together in Stu's community. Now, a lot of people use this now, but like this was years ago and we did it because the belief was that the community itself would be better if people found value in the community itself more than they found value in Stu. So we wanted the community to be answering each other's questions and contributing and sharing their insights and their, their takeaways from their own launches and memberships. So we intentionally created this culture better together. We put it in the guidelines, we put it in our onboarding, we put it in our opening ceremonies. We created an award called the Better Together Award for somebody each week who was supporting somebody else in the community. We really planted this seed. And now what you see is a community of alumni that come back year after year to support and contribute in his course. You see mentors who are part of his membership that are coming in, who are running the Q&As in his community, not for pay, but because they believe in the value of community. So this is this little idea, like this belief that the community is better than the individual. And then we intentionally planted that with the Better Together concept. 
So that's just one example of something very specific that you can do from a culture perspective that okay. has huge benefit. Oh, I love that. I think about my community and we call ourselves the unicorns for unicorn digital marketing assistance. We are embracing what makes us special and unique. And it's really coming from a place of abundance because I yes. don't want to be the VA group with 40,000 people where they're gatekeeping and not sharing. And it's a little bit toxic or so I heard. I just, yeah. I'm hearing rumors and I'm like, okay, what is this mantra? And I love that you talked about guidelines and onboarding and where you put that, but I have a, a little even lesson about that is embracing and celebrating other people's wins because there's more than enough jobs. And so that's just one example from my I should probably talk more about that on social yeah. now that I'm saying this out loud. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing. It's like once you define your culture, like I tell people, you need to outline your beliefs, your behaviors, and your boundaries. And once you okay. do that, it impacts the content that you share. It Because the content that you create should be created with the purpose of attracting the right fit community member. Like that's ultimately what we want. And so when you can outline the beliefs and the behaviors and the boundaries of a right fit community member, what do we believe about the industry? And so for you, it's like you believe that the gatekeeping in the industry is not okay. What do you believe about people in your community? Will you believe that multi-passionate and multi-skilled people do have a place, that you don't have to be an expert in one specific tool or one specific thing, that there actually is value in being a little bit more of a jack of all trades or whatever. So you outline those beliefs and then that shapes the content that you share, not just in your community, but on your social platforms and in your emails, because ultimately the job of that content is to make somebody not only want to be a member of that community and to, to hold on to that identity, but to feel like they already have the identity, because that's the easiest way to convert somebody into your offers or your services is for them to feel like, well, of course I'm going to join because I am this person. I am a digital marketing unicorn. So yeah, of course I have to join her program. Hey, my inbox is flooded right now with referrals for digital marketing assistance. There's so many work opportunities. This is how you create a flexible schedule where you're the boss, where you work when you want to, and you have off and play when you want to. This is how you have the ultimate job satisfaction, where you get to be creative and a team player. And this is how you make money. It's skills, it's money, and I can help you do it fast inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. If you've been wanting to work from home as a freelance marketer, I can help you get started. Get on the wait list and I'll see you in October. Oh, I love that because I, I do get emails and DMs of people saying, especially after they take the quiz and they're like, yes, I am a unicorn. You called me out. I'm like, this is perfect. And you know what's so funny, Shannon? I am not a sparkly girl. Yeah. <laughs> Like that, that, that's like the brand. That's like the bumper sticker. I am Sporty Spice over here, you know, like coaching my kids soccer. And, but like this, you know, kind of encapsulated the feeling of uniqueness and being the Jill of all trades and owning whatever makes you special and putting it together in a unique way. Yeah. So thank you. You made me feel really good about that. Yeah. And I, and I love too, just that you said like, it's not you. And that's, I think, a mistake a lot of business owners make is they try to make the culture and the community them, but it's not for you. It's for the people that you're going to serve. And so that means it may not, it shouldn't be misaligned with who yeah. you are from a core values perspective, but it can and should be a reflection of the community itself and not necessarily of you. Oh my gosh, I love that. So tell us a little bit more about these community strategies that we should be implementing. I feel like you said it so well about calling in the right person. I've been there as a course creator. I've had people in my program and I went through a whole thing in 2020 where there was a psychographic problem with my email list. I've actually had to kick some people out of my program because I, I did attract the wrong person. Yeah. And you know, this type of person who needs a lot of handholding, who doesn't respect boundaries, who expects me never to leave for a week for vacation is never going to serve a client well. Right. And it kind of broke my heart to kick a couple people out. But I, I mean, I had to, to protect the, like, this was a paid community, obviously it's like yeah. students, but I just learned such a big lesson in my business when that happened. And I never want to repeat it. It was so painful. And it's so yeah. hard as a people pleaser. But like, I just, I didn't want to like dash someone's dreams. I'm like, you, this is not the right spot for you. It's so good. Okay. So I <laughs> just released a podcast episode that 
it talks specifically about how your job as a community leader is to do what's best for the community as a whole and not what's best for the individual. And sometimes that means you're not accepting and kind to everyone. Now we can still say and do things with kindness, but they're not going to perceive it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're saying that because it doesn't do any good to, to have boundaries and to have these beliefs if you're not going to uphold them because it just breaks trust with your community. So it's super important. Okay, you were talking about the strategies. So there's four key pillars that you need. And the first one we've talked about a little bit, so I won't go into more depth than that, but that's the cause piece, which is that clear purpose. People need to know where you're going, where are we headed? I think of it like my kids, whenever we get in the car, never fails. Where are we going? Where are we going? And then my son, there's always the one that needs more information. He was like, wait, but that's not the way to go. And well, you're supposed to be turning left. And how long does it take to get there? Your community is the same way. They wanna know, that we're all moving to a similar destination. They want to be bought into that. So that's the cause piece. The second piece is culture, which we've also talked about. This is those beliefs, behaviors, and boundaries that will shape your community. And like I said, there are some things that will naturally rise up, but you don't want to leave it to the community to create this culture. If you do, you'll end up like some of my clients have where you look back and you're not engaged in your community. When you ask yourself why, you're like, because it's not really a place where I want to hang out. Well, you are intentional about creating the culture. So you have to go back and do a reset, which a lot of people do, which is totally fine. You own your community. You can do that. But take the time to really shape it intentionally because culture will happen whether you drive it or not. So yeah. let's make sure you're the one driving it. Can you, you give know? me an example of a bad one? And I'm just thinking of like through my MBA program when we talked about organizational culture and change a lot, but give us an example of some, like you're talking about your clients built the wrong kind. Yeah, so it often is little nuances, right? It's not the big conflict, nasty stuff, which communities naturally go through cycles. We call them storming cycles, but they'll naturally go through cycles where people have to kind of figure things out. You may have a little bit of conflict and storming in there. That's normal to expect even in healthy communities. It's just part of how communities form. But an example was a client of mine who is a, a life coach and has a membership of thousands of women who really want to improve their self-image. And her whole concept is living from your future self. So if you want to create a new identity for yourself, you can't live in your current identity. You have to really get clear on who that woman is, and then you have to start acting like her today. Well, that concept that she taught had not really trickled into her community. It hadn't been carried through to the culture. And so her community, although she had a lot of people sharing style tips and all of that kind of stuff in there, she also had people complaining about their current reality. And it's not that we expect everybody to have a perfect reality, but what we did was we outlined the beliefs, the behaviors, we outlined what it meant to be this woman in her community, this future self, and so we reshaped the guidelines where it said something like, we are women that live from our future self, so we don't engage in idle gossip and complaining without looking for solutions first. And so that little concept, she changed the guidelines, she went into her community, she went back in and said, this is going to be a space on the internet where you are going to get to live as your future self, and you're going to be challenged to live as your future self, which means, you're not going to get to engage in the same complaining and gossip that you can experience plenty of other places. If you want to keep that as your reality, go like there's thousands of other places on the internet. But she didn't shape it around, we don't do this, this, and this. She shaped it around, you're living from your future self. And this is what living from your future self looks like. So she did a reset in the community. And now whenever somebody does have a, a problem, they have to come with solutions with that problem. So they can't just come ask in the community, what do I do? My, you know, boyfriend is doing X, Y, Z, or I can't seem to lose weight or whatever it is. They have to share their problem and then come with some possible solutions to get feedback and chat with the community. So that little tweak right there, shifting the mindset of the community to one where we're going to live from our future self was a big culture shift. And now that community is really thriving. It's helping them make more progress because they're they're always being challenged to live in the future, not in their current reality. Gosh, what a good example. And what like a subtle difference, just like leading from the positive. And did she have to do 
a lot of like lives about this or I mean I wouldn't expect everyone just to read the guidelines but yeah it was to do one email one live and then we also redid their onboarding and in that onboarding it spoke specifically to what for her her community is soci women so what is a soci woman and how do you live as a soci woman so we really spoke to that cultural identity in the onboarding a lot of it comes through in the community manager's role of guiding people so when somebody would post outside of the guidelines you don't just delete it with no context you share the context of the rule and you say this is something new in the community we're really trying to do so i would encourage you to share again but share a couple of solutions as well so you're retraining people yeah and that takes some time but oh my gosh yeah. it pays off because then your community sure like all that positivity and the way you're supposed to be behaving it just i don't know what is the word it just grows but they also they feed it to themselves there in their own comments. Like I did, I almost said policing, which is why I stumbled. Because sometimes in Facebook groups, you can feel like people are like overcorrecting, but like oh, what sure. would be the opposite, like in the positive way? It just like reinforces more of that thinking. Yeah. And I think of it like nurturing. So when we talked about okay. those seeds of culture, there's some that you nurture, there's some that you plant, but there's also some that you need to prune. That's part of the gardening process, right? Mm -hmm. Is pruning off the dead leaves and all of that to help the plant be able to grow and thrive. And so there's some pruning in the process, which can be a bit painful and time consuming, but it's totally worth it. Uh, you were describing me yesterday waiting for the bus. The buses have all been late the last week of school and I'm like deadheading my knockout roses. And I was like thinking about that analogy. I'm like, it's going to make my plant healthier. And yeah, it's annoying. And I keep getting thorns in my finger, but pays off. Okay. So what is your third community strategy that you were going to share? Yeah. So the third piece is communication, which a lot of people feel like they're like, that's not community, but it is because how we communicate is so essential. And the biggest mistake here is when people think about communication, they think about one way communication to an individual or to the masses. And that's just one part. There's three different pieces of communication. One is that outgoing, that megaphone, What? how are we making sure that people know where they're supposed to be, what offers are out there, what do we wanna share with them? It's not like cruise director role. <laughs> the other piece is the incoming, which is how are we intentionally hearing from people? What channels do we have where our community can reach out to us? And I really encourage you inside of your content that you're you're doing to be asking those kinds of questions, to be asking people to reply to your emails, to send you a DM, because the more we hear from our community, the better we understand our avatar. And the better we understand our avatar, the better our messaging gets, and that helps increase conversions. But you really wanna make sure that they feel like they're being heard, seen, valued. And so that's that incoming opportunity, whether it's a survey or a quick question in a post is all valuable. And then the third is what I call internal, but it's really the back and forth conversations. Think of it like that walkie talkie where you can kind of watch your community engage and listen in. You can choose whether you're going to participate in that or not, but this can happen in your Instagram comments. It can happen in your like Facebook group, for example. It can happen on Zoom calls where people are having discussions and breakout rooms. That's that opportunity for that engagement type content. And we 100% wanna facilitate that, but we always wanna be thinking about all three of those elements of communication and making sure that the brand experience is consistent across all of them. We may think of our Facebook group differently than our support channel, differently than our email or whatever that might be, but our community doesn't. They see it all as one experience. And so they're going to judge you based on how you respond to a DM on Instagram, just as much as they are about their experience in your Facebook group or what happens when they email your support channel or what they see on your website. So we have to really be thinking about how are all of these different touch points and interactions with us from a communication perspective reflecting our brand and the kind of culture and community we want to create? Oh my gosh, you're preaching to the choir. I tell this to my team all the time and it like drives me nuts with some of the email responses. I mean, we can always get better here, but I, I try to say this and I just love how you tied everything together from collecting the messaging and to having this engagement and to representing your brand. I just don't think that the person managing your inbox sometimes, I'm like going on a tangent here, like they have to get it. 
Like it's yes. not like a $10 an hour job over there. Like this is like the crux of your business. Like you right. special attention. Yeah. And my assistant is so wonderful. And yet I'm always challenging her and pushing her in this area and saying, even if it's just a quick response about like a podcast interview or whatever it might be, we want them to leave feeling better after having read our email. Then we want them to leave feeling like we care about them as an individual. And that can be one little line that you add. And I frankly am terrible about this. I am like a quick and dirty, bare minimum, like how quickly can I get this message across? In fact, when I was working in the corporate days, they got some complaints about my emails. And so my chief marketing officer was like, uh, we're gonna have to run all emails going external to our department by me for a while till you learn how to add fluff to your emails. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just to the point. But I do understand the value of that and uh, making sure that we interact with people like they're humans. And if I, mm -hmm. if I ran into you at the grocery store on Thursday and we had a conversation and then I saw you at church on Sunday morning and I acted like I had no idea about the conversation on Thursday, you would be like, what is wrong with her? That was rude, right? Like, yes. we do that to our community. They email in to support and we act like we have no context of what they've just shared in the community the day before. So it takes work, it takes effort, and makes all the difference when somebody asks a question and support, and then you can say, by the way, congratulations on that list builder. You just got your first email subscriber. That's so exciting. Let me answer your question for you. Like, what a difference that makes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I remember being in one of my clients' Facebook groups and we hired somebody to help with the community because it was growing and it was huge. She would make people cry. <laughs> Her answers, she was short. She was impatient. I was just not the right fit. And we very quickly realized like, no, 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 no. Yes. Um, to be more like an OBM. Like she was way better right. in that department. And I just like laugh remembering that experience. Like it could not be clearer that she was wrong. And I have a very similar email story about me getting in trouble because I worked in the government and I didn't sign my emails like VR and everyone was supposed to. And I would just be like, to the point, where's your story? You told me you'd have your story today. Like I would just be like, Monday morning, do you have the story? Yeah. <laughs> do you have it? Is it here? It's due. <laughs> no idea. There's this whole etiquette thing and people would like add their own tone. But I yeah. think that like some of the texts with my sister, like I'm adding tone all the time. It's like out of context. Yeah. My sister, like that's what we do. And so like stepping back and looking at that, I think it drives me crazy as a business owner because I really want to keep a pulse on my people. It's so important to me. It's like one of my number one values here. And I'm getting to that level where someone's in my DMs, somebody's in my inbox, somebody just bought this and I need all the dots connected because the worst feeling is when you just spent $1,500 on someone's course and they act like they don't know you. Right. Like, yes. Like they never saw you at their grocery yes. store. And so yeah. like it mortifies me. So I hope everyone listening will just like pick up on this and figure out how you can apply this in your client's business on their behalf. Because I know there's a million ways I could do it better, but you know, I'm trying to label people. I'm trying to like label in my messenger and it, yes. like, it's, it gets insane. Yeah. And all the different channels. It, it's so hard to keep up for sure. But that's ultimately like going back to the framework, the fourth pillar is connection. Mm. And oftentimes people think they have a connection problem, but the truth is they have a safety problem. So going all the way back to my first major before nursing, which was psychology, I'd never <laughs> even made it to my first class for that. But going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we, we start with that base of physical needs. So food, water, shelter, clothing, and then everybody jumps straight to the belonging, right? This feeling of connection. But in between those two is psychological safety that feeling of I am in a safe space so that now I can connect and experience belonging because you can't experience connection if you can't be yourself because you'll always have this feeling of like, oh, well, they don't really know me. I mean, like, yes, I feel connected, but it's very surface level. You hear that all the time. People say, oh, this is surface level. So how do we create that deeper feeling of belonging and connection, well, it really comes from knowing others and being known, but that takes psychological safety. So going back to the things that we've talked about that will break trust, right? Communicating, you can't feel safe if you don't feel hurt. That's why that incoming communication is so important. It's hard to feel safe if you're like, 
I literally just told you yesterday that I am struggling with the loss of my mom. And then I bought your course Tuesday and you sent me a message being like, oh my gosh, I hope you're having a great week. You know, I can't feel that safety. Yeah. So yeah, it's really important that when we think about safety, we go back to the culture piece and the boundaries and upholding those. But we also really think about just leadership overall. I think people really want trust and clarity. They want authenticity. They want integrity. And all of that stems from the leader. Oh, wow. I never thought of it like that, but that makes so much sense. And why in some groups I don't get involved at all. Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love how you summed up those four community strategies. I think you have a freebie to help us on the connection piece. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So whenever I talk about that, people are like, but yeah, Shanna, so how do I actually get people to connect? I want to know. <laughs> so if you have a safe community, go to connectionideas.com. Connectionideas.com, super easy. There's over 77 different ways that you can create more connection opportunities for your community. And I put them all there because your community is unique. And I also don't want you to feel like there's a formula to it. You get to play. You get to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And that's what that guide is for. It walks you through some of those core pieces and elements around connection. And then it throws all those ideas your way so that you can read through the list, highlight some things that you want to try and see what your community enjoys the most. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I think when we first start out, in this online space and we're like learning about what our clients need. I think that's where our brain goes. Like, I just need to post something that yes. creates connection. And so I'm so glad we had this connection to show the truth. Like what is so much deeper than that. And it's it building is. a brand for the long term with the littlest, littlest communication pieces that we do. Yeah. And I think if you think about the brands that you're connected to, the places that you keep repeating or the influencers that you're following and you analyze why you do that, it all comes back to that sense of culture, connection, identity. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sticking around. Yeah. So I am a member of DCA and Momentum. And I know you trained Amy's team, but I mean, they are like the epitome. Like they are so great there and it just keeps getting better and better what they're yeah. doing. So great job. So tell everyone how we can learn from you so we could be at that level. Yeah, of course. So my podcast, Community Creators, is absolutely the best place to go if you have an online community of any kind. And you can dive in there and learn so much. And of course, I do have my online training course called Cultivate. If you want to go deeper in that, you'll have all the opportunities in the world to do that. You can find all of that on my website at channelin.com. Okay, that's amazing. And I was watching you on Instagram the other day, and I know I'm opening like a new topic here, but you were sharing ideas on gamification. And I just love that idea of like playing with your community and having fun and testing it. Like I'm all about that. And I think that it's so hard when you're new and you're like, I don't know what my client wants. They can't always articulate it. And I hope that hearing this podcast, people will feel empowered to play and try to implement this and have fun with it because you do. You do have to do that. There is no like formula. Right? Yeah. It's just like, it's get these foundations in place. And once you have the foundations, the world is your oyster. Oftentimes people start with all the tactics and then they're not working and they can't figure out why it's not working. And it's because they don't have those foundations in place. Yeah. So do you have any advice to, I'm going to ask you this for my sake, like being yeah. a... Face, like I'm seeing Facebook communities with low engagement in my world. I know they're not all, but it has kind of affected some of the algorithm, like something changed. Do you have any advice for reviving something that might be a little bit DOA? Yeah. So I always go back to the cause and culture. Make sure you're really strong on your cause and very niche specific mission. Oftentimes what was niche two years ago is no longer because our industry is growing so fast and then getting really clear on the culture resetting around that culture often because people forget. And oftentimes you've had people in there for a long time, but they've forgotten why they joined in the first place or what you're trying to create. But when it comes to a Facebook group, for example, my question always comes down to what is your other channel of communication that is pointing people to the Facebook group for a compelling reason to stay? It's like they have to be compelled to go to the Facebook group and I have to enjoy or get value out of the experience when they're there because that's the reward, right? We are humans and kind of Pavlov's dog a little bit in nature and that 
we're not going to repeat a behavior that isn't rewarding. So give them the stimulus. They're not going to see it in their Facebook newsfeed anymore. So you need text, you need email, you need some way to drive them into the Facebook group. And then there has to be a reward for them taking action, meaning that you've got to have compelling, good, valuable content. Yeah. And so if you're starting to pivot, like you said, you're getting more niche and more clear because I love that things do change and our messaging gets stronger and our offers change. What can you do to help make that new connection? Like that's the wrong word after you speaking, but what can you do to shift that culture in a community that is changing? And I asked this because someone inside Momentum was asking and I was like, that's a really good question. Like what should you do? Yeah. And it's a common question that people ask all the time. And again, I just, I go back to like, it all comes down to those pillars. Because if you look at the communication pillar, it's like, oh, well, my Facebook group's the only way I communicate with them about my Facebook group. Only 2% of people maybe see it in your newsfeed. So we have to have another channel. Yeah. And you can change that and people can decide to to stay or leave, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. This was so fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm so glad we finally did it. Do you have any parting words for anyone who is helping their clients create communities like this? I think the biggest thing that can be really challenging when you're supporting somebody else is that they are not clear on their cause and they are not clear on their culture. And so just having them listen to this episode or giving them just uh, some questions like, what is the purpose of our community? What are our beliefs about our community? What are the behaviors we want to see? And what are the boundaries? What are the things we don't want to see? If they could answer those four questions for you, then you can help shape how that actually plays out in the community on the day to day. Oh, so good. Because you know, we see that as a struggle point with our clients all of the time. Yes. Thanks, Shanna. This is so much fun. We'll see you over on Instagram and we'll be listening to your podcast. Sounds great. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found this helpful. If you could tag both Shannon and I on Instagram in a story, we'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway is, what you're doing while you're listening. Tell other stay-at-home moms, military spouses, professional women about this opportunity to become a community manager. And we'd love to hear from you. And, oh, and go grab her freebie too. All right. This content marketing series is continuing in the next episode next week. I would love to hear from you if this, you're finding this helpful. Give us a five-star review and also have you in my Facebook community. We have a free Facebook group, which is a great starting place for learning marketing and start building these connections. We share trainings over there. We build each other up and support. We also have some job ops that come in as well. And then I'll be inviting you to join my community in the fall when we open the doors for the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistance School. Right now, the work group, my digital marketers work group is closed. You could always get your application in, put your link below, and we'll be opening the doors for that like later this fall. So, all right, I'll see you in the next episode. We're going to go more into content marketing, including AI, the changing role of the marketing assistant. It's going to be good. I'll see you then. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. Thank you. I love how you pointed everything back to that. (laughs) You're brilliant. Your brain is brilliant. Always back to the pillars. That's where it goes. I had a great idea for an outro, but based on what you said there, and it's going to pop out of my head.